Okay, if you've got your Bibles, if you've got your electronic devices, phones or iPads, whatever it is they call them these days. We're going to go to 1 Kings chapter 18 and have a look at what God's saying. And I, I believe God has got a message for us today, a message for you. That's what I'm relying on. I don't want to stand here and just preach a sermon. I'm sick of that. I want to hear what God's saying. I need to hear what God's saying. It's my meat, it's my strength for the week to come. My strength is not in medicine, my strength is not in wealth, my strength is in the Lord. My strength actually is in my relationship with the Lord. That's where my strength is. That's when I can say I'm strong. When I have a living, vibrant relationship with Jesus, I am strong in the power of the Lord. Things will come against me. I promise you that. But it can't overcome you. You're more than an overcomer in Christ Jesus, which loves you more than an overcomer. Okay. If I was going to put a title on it, I would call successes problems. Successes problems. With every great victory comes an incredible test on your life. That's not a bad prophecy, it's not a bad statement, it's a fact. Everything that you believe is going to be tested. And only what's authentic will stand. Only what's the real thing will stand the test of time. But it will reveal what's in your heart. So come with me to 1 Kings 18, let's go from verse 20. It's Mount Carmel, we know the story, I suppose most people here, probably not everybody here knows the story, so I'm going to read a lot of scripture, and then I'll break it down and we'll have a look. And God's got a message for you this morning. Verse 20, so Ahab, as King Ahab, sent for the children of Israel and gathered the prophets together on Mount Carmel. There comes a time when God says, enough is enough. There comes a time when God says, I'm going to move. I've had enough of the sin. I've had enough of the defeat of my people. I've had enough. I'm going to move. And Elijah came to all the people and said, How long will you halt it between two opinions? Where's your mind today? Where's your mind? Book of James says a double-minded person can receive nothing from the Lord. Absolutely nothing. Double-minded people can receive nothing from the Lord. You have to nail it in your mind. First of all, get it in your heart. And getting it in your heart, you nail it in your mind. In spite of what you see and what you feel. Feelings are the biggest enemy to faith. How long will you halter between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. Make your mind up, he's saying. Follow him. And all the people answered him, not a word. What's your opinion this morning of Jesus? You're going to follow him? Silence says something different. Are you going to follow him? Yes. Glad to see you're alive, brother. What do you think I'm here for? Well, I don't know. I'm beginning to wonder. I wonder. I'm following the assemblies of God, I'm following the Lord. Amen. Best thing you can do, brother. That's what I'm doing. Then Elijah said to the people, I alone 
am left a prophet of the Lord, but Baal's prophets are 450 men. <laughs> Therefore, let them give us two bows and let them choose one bow for yeah. themselves, cut it in pieces, lay it on the word, put no fire under it, and I will prepare the other bow, lay it on the word, and put no fire under it. In other words, set up a sacrifice. Prophets of Baal, you're going to get the same. We're going to be equal. Yeah. One bow, one yeah. altar, one sacrifice. Yeah. Then you call on the name of your gods, and I will call on the name of the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. There's a big difference. Yeah. There's a big difference. You see, this world says, you call on me. But Jesus says, it can't answer you. It will promise you everything. And most people that are alive today are deceived by the thought and the process of getting riches, getting fame, getting success. But when I look sadly at the people who go after it, their lives are a mess. Because there's an emptiness still inside them that riches, this world, the possessions, all that kind of stuff cannot satisfy. I'm not saying it's wrong to have those things. I'm saying it cannot satisfy. I, I bought a new car two years ago. I'm fed up with it already. I thought it was a bee's knees when I bought it. Nice car. Can't satisfy. Can't satisfy. Doesn't matter how many. I've had three new cars. Says everything, doesn't it? I only got one wife. I'm satisfied. Ah, you gotta say that. You gotta say because it's true. <laughs> okay. And the God that answers by fire, he is God. So all the people answered and said, well spoken. I'll tell you, they're a motley crew. Well spoken. They're hedging their bets, aren't they? Well, we'll just hop on and see what's happening here. We got the prophets of Baal, over 450 of them. We got King Ahab. We got his, his wife, who's a pain in the backside. We'll get to her in a minute. We'll sit in the middle. We'll sit in the middle and watch. Then we'll jump on the bandwagon of the one that wins. People say to me someday, I'll make a deathbed confession. Everyone that has said that to me never made a deathbed confession. Sadly. They're either in a coma or so ill you couldn't reach them. That's sad. Now Elijah said to the prophets, choose one bow for yourself, prepare it first, for you are many. And call on the name of your God and put no fire under it. So they took the bow which was given them and they prepared it and called on the name of Baal from morning till noon, saying, O Baal, hear us. But there was no voice, no one answered. And they leapt upon about the altar which they had made. And so it was at noon that Elijah mocked them and said, Cry aloud, for he is a god. Either he is meditating, or he's busy, or he's on a journey, or perhaps he's sleeping. And must be awakened. So they cried aloud and cut themselves, made themselves bleed. As was their custom, with knives and lances until the blood gushed out of them. Hmm. And so it was when mid midday was past that they prophesied until the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice. But there was no voice, no one answered, and no one paid attention. I want to tell you something. That's the way to deal with the enemy of your soul. We give him too much recognition. He cannot answer my problems. He can accuse me, 
but I won't have any truck with him. My focus is no longer on him. My focus is on the living God. The maker of heaven and earth. The one who defeated him on the cross. Then Elijah said to all the people, come near to me. So all the people came near to him. And he repaired the altar of the Lord which was broken down. And Elijah took twelve stones according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob. To whom the word of the Lord had come saying, Israel shall be your name. Then with the stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord. And he made a trench around the large altar large enough to hold two seeds of seed. Quite a lot. And he put wood in under, cut the bull in pieces, laid it on the wood, and said, Fill four water pots with water and pour it on the burnt sacrifice of the wood. Then he said, Do it a second time, and they did it a second time. Do it a third time, and they did it a third time. Sometimes you have to keep offering a sacrifice of praise. Sometimes it's not on the first time. Sometimes it's not on the second time. Sometimes it's not on the third time. But I want to tell you, there's coming a point at which fire is going to come from heaven, consume your sacrifice which you have offered to the living God, and answer your prayer. So the water ran around the altar and he filled the trench with water. And it came to pass at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that Elijah the prophet came near and said to the Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, remember your past. Remember those that have gone before you in the faith. Their sacrifice, their life is not in vain. They're there to recall the goodness of God. What God did in their lives are for an example for you and for me to follow to walk in their footsteps, to pick up their mantle and go again in the name of the Lord. I have done these things at your word. Hear me, O Lord, hear me, that this people may know that you are the Lord God and that you have turned their hearts back to you again. Then, then, the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice and the wood and the stones and the dust and licked up the water that was in the trench. Now when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and said, The Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. And Elijah said to them, Seize the prophets of Baal. Do not let one escape. So they seized them and Elijah brought them down to the burnt kishon and executed them. They were weakened by the blood that they shed. They were bleeding to death. You see, it sounds tough, doesn't it, when God says, execute them. Elijah, I'm going to execute them, 450. God wants sin dealt with. He doesn't overlook sin. He deals with it. He deals with it. Now, praise God for grace. Without, we would have no hope. Let's jump across to 19. And Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done. He told his wife. The sneaky little man. The jelly-livered little man. The little backbone. I'm going to go back and tell my wife. Yeah, he's a creep. I'm going to go back home and tell Wendy. I know what she'd say. Get back out there and deal with it. Get over it, she'd say. Got a good wife. Also, he executed all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah, saying, "So let the gods do to me." And more also, if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by tomorrow. I just read that her gods didn't answer. I just read 
that her gods couldn't speak. And yet, she's saying, I'm going to do to Elijah, if I don't do it, my gods will take me out. She's a liar. She's deceived. Her gods are powerless when the Lord God shows up. Now, it was the hand of God that brought Elijah to Jezreel. It was the hand of God this morning that brought you into this place. You say, now I wasn't, got in the car, drove here. Well, of course you did. God brought you in. Well, I made the decision. Who gave you the thought? Who gave you the thought? Who put the desire in for some of you? Who brought the desire in you to come? God. Elijah is moving according to what God says. He's in the right place at the right time, but he's got a problem. Fire from heaven has just done one of the most miraculous visual scenes of God's power since the creation of the world. One of them. This is sacrifice these stones, the bull, bits and pieces of the bull on top, water all around it, and fire comes from heaven and consumes the lot, stones as well. Wow. I mean, that's impressive, isn't it? Isn't it? It's impressive. Seems to me. But you see... The wonder sometimes of God's power, the wonder sometimes of God moving on your behalf with miraculous signs and wonders, and we've seen some of it, we've heard some of it this week. It doesn't deal with what's wrong in your heart. It reveals what's in you. Because at the very word of a woman, and I say that with respect, He legs it out of town. Yeah, a woman. Yeah. Tell you what he does, love. And when he saw that, he arose and ran for his life. Sheep given Elijah a message. Yeah. But he visualized it in his mind. Yeah. He could see her servants taking him and killing him and then being brought before her and being made a spectacle, he visualized it, let it dwell within his mind for a period of time and said, I'm giving up being a prophet. I'm out of here. I'm out of here. God, the, what you did on Mount Carmel was awesome. But I don't think you can look after me. Haven't we all said that? We all said, I've seen God do this, I've seen God do that, I've seen God move over there, I've seen him answer my needs over here, I, I, I've done that, and, I, and yet one word, one word can so pull us down that we run for our life. Look, he's, his life is not in himself. He runs for his life because he thinks his life is down to him to keep. It's not. It's not. 
You see, the sad part of it, he received no instruction from God to move. When you move with no instruction from God, you're in trouble. And you have to keep running and try to justify the running. He finds out a bit further on. He says to God, I, I, I'm... Well, he said to the... He said just before at the sacrifice, I'm the only one left. He'd been trying to sort this out for a long period. I'm the only one left in the whole of Israel that follows the Lord. And then God does this incredible display of his power on the behalf of Elijah. And he's still saying, I'm the only one left. And he legs it. He runs from his calling. He runs from the place actually of safety where God brought him to. Don't run. Ephesians says, having done all, stand still. And see the salvation of the Lord. Having done all, put on the armor. Put on the armor. And stand still. I'm saying, God, you brought me here. God, you moved here. God, I'm staying here. Until you tell me to go again. But he doesn't. He runs for his life. I've had enough of being a prophet. I've had enough. I'm I'm out of here. I can't take it. Now the problem is this. Further on, God says to him, you're not the only one. I've got 7,000 that follow me in this country that you know nothing about. What would have happened... If he hadn't run. Those 7,000, I believe, would have been so encouraged by what the manifestation of God's power and presence that they would have risen up. And the nation of Israel could have been turned around at that moment. I think that was God's plan. Or possibility, shall I say. When you run, when you start questioning the call of God on your life, it will impact other people that you know nothing about at that moment of time. Your calling, my calling, affects other people that I at times have not yet met, but they're on the way. When you back off from the things of God, when you decide to take your ease in Zion, well, let somebody else do it, let somebody else have a go. When you take that attitude, somebody's life is going to be affected for negative It will be somebody you probably never even met and may never ever meet. That's the responsibility we carry. Well, God's finished with me. I don't know what he's doing. He stands still. Actually, stand still and shut up. That's the way I speak to myself. I tell you what, I can talk some rubbish. Just leave me on my own. I can have the biggest argument with myself and win. Don't need you around. Don't need Wendy around. Just leave me on my own. (laughs) Surely if God can send fire from heaven... can look after one prophet. Yeah. Yeah. Surely if Jesus Christ 
died on the cross and rose again yes, on the sir. third day, yes, he can look after you yes, amen. Amen. and me. Some people here today that need to say, God, I'm sorry for the garbage that's come out of my mouth this week about myself. Whenever you're putting yourself down, you're talking against God. Because yeah. he's elevated you up. He's made you sit in heavenly places yeah. alongside him in Christ Jesus. Yeah. He's elevated you. He's the lifter of your head. When you're, when you're talking to yourself in a negative way, when you believe it's all over, you're saying, God, you're a liar. Because Jesus said, I know I've got a future for you. I've called you. I am finished with you. In fact, I'll never finish with you. You might finish on this earth after a while, so many years, but then you're with me. You're never finished. Amen. But when we sit in our chair at home and we take all our impact from that thing at the end of the room that's square with a, a screen that lights up, you know, pe people today like reality shows. It's a big thing on television at the moment, isn't it? Reality shows. It's rubbish. That is not reality. It's just entertainment. And they're getting paid thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars or pounds, whatever it is, to take part in it. That is not reality. And yet we get sucked in by it. I want to tell you, the number of Christians I know who, who are glued to reality shows. No wonder your faith is weak. It's time to stand up and say, hey, that is not the truth. That is just man's way or the enemy's way to try to influence me away from the true picture of Jesus Christ. He is reality. You see, when his, his eyes were no longer fixed on the Lord when he ran. All at the word of a furious woman who made an idle threat to say, if I don't get you, Elijah, by this time tomorrow, my gods will get me. She was on a safe wicket. Yeah. Totally safe wicket. Yeah. But it are. sounds powerful. Some women are like that. It sounds powerful. His mind overtook his ministry. His mind overtook his faith. The one who fed him, the one who kept him, was forgotten. There comes a point where victories become our failure. The victory is a victory, but it can lead to our failure. The absence of faith leads to fear. Faith and fear don't mix. No. They don't, they're enemies. No, sir. Fear says, I'm going to rule your life. Fear says, you listen to me. Fear says, I'm going to control your life. I will tell you what to do. I will tell you what to believe. I will tell you how you perform. Faith says, shut up. The Bible says, pull every thought to subjection to the Lord. Bring it, every thought and imagination. 
fear brings a image. Imagination is an image that is so real before our eyes that it says, I control your life. This is the road that you're going down. This is how you're going to end up. This is what's going to happen to you. How do we maintain faith? Faith is only maintained by a constant daily relationship with Jesus Christ. Daily. You know when you start to be at your weakest? It's at the moment of success. Because your prayer has just been answered. What now? When your prayer is answered in God, that faith has been used and it's gone. What you have to do is start to praise. You know, it worries me more What worries me more are not the Christians that fail, but the Christians who see success in God. God meets their need, and you never hear them praising. It's back there. Oh, God did it. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Yes, you did, Jesus. Back there. But today, where's the praise? Where's the thankful heart that says, I wouldn't be here today unless you'd answered? I wouldn't be where I am today unless you'd answered. It's all of you, God. But fear says, no, you focus on today. Never mind what God did back there. Never mind back then. I don't want you thinking about that because you'll cast me out if you think about that. Fear says, today. Not to, you haven't got a tomorrow. You're just weak. You've called on the name of the Lord and he hasn't answered, so he's not there. You're just weak. Faith says, whether he answers or not, I ain't moving. I'm not moving. God has brought me to this position in my life. God has brought me health-wise to this position in my life. I'm not moving because he's not finished with me yet here. When panic sets in, the word goes out. Oh, you might still be confessing it. Oh, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Oh, oh, in the name of Jesus. I'm, 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 I'm going there. I'm not good. I'm, 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 I don't know. I'm down. I'm, I'm, I'm in despair. I'm, 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 I'm in the name of Jesus. Everybody. No, no, no. I'm, I'm, I'll, I'll, try, I'll try over here. In the name of Jesus. No, no, no. I'll, I think over here. Where's my phone? I better send a text to somebody. Where's Wendy? I can't get out of Wendy. I can't get out. You can't live off Wendy's face. She's there to help. First thing you've got to do is close it down. Okay? Close it down. Be honest with God. Be honest with Him. Be honest with yourself and be honest with God. God, I'm in a fix. My mind is saying this. The symptoms are saying it. Face the reality. Faith is not faith unless you face the reality of your situation first. But don't give in to that situation. God, I'm sick. My body is sick. God, my finances are bad. God, this is threatening my family, threatening me. Be real with God. 
Be real with Jesus. Listen. If it's good enough for Jesus to do it, in the Garden of Gethsemane, he said, my soul is troubled, Father. I don't want to go through this, Father. I don't want to be crucified on that cross. But nevertheless, let your will be done. He is real with the Father. But first of all, before you can be real with the Father, you've got to be real with yourself. God, I'm struggling. God, I'm ill. God, I got this problem. I cannot deal with it, God. But I know you can. Get real with yourself. Strip everything away. It's just you and Jesus. You know, we sing that old chorus, he's all I need, he's all I need. Listen, he's only all you need when he's all you got. Success can leave you at your weakest point. You know, it's easier to pray for somebody else than it is to pray for yourself. You know that? Think about it. We're praying for Lorraine. She had no idea what I'm going through. But I'm praying for her to be healed, and she was healed. People in the here, you prayed for Lorraine, but what were you going through? She didn't know. But it's harder. But I don't know what it, whether it's pride. Perhaps it is pride. But sometimes it's hard to pray for yourself. Yeah. Yet God knows what you need. Yeah. He's got the resources and he's saying, why don't they get real with me? He says you don't receive because you don't ask. Oh, well, we spend a lot of time talking about the problem. We need to speak to the problem about God. Look, problem. Look, problem in my life at this moment of time. Look, problem. You're not dealing with me. You're dealing with the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings, the maker and creator of the world. You're dealing with the Savior who saved my soul. That's who you're dealing with, problem. You don't take me on. When you take me on, he stands in front of me and he rebukes you in the name of Jesus. But now, you see, it's my problem. I was like it yesterday and the day before. Oh, and last week, I think I started the symptoms. It could have been last month. I haven't been well. I haven't been this for so long. And, and, and it doesn't seem, I don't know how well I just, but I know, I know. Stand still. Put every thought in the captivity to the knowledge of God and speak to your mountain. Look, mountain, you've been dictating to me too long. You're standing in my way. So I am going to speak to the God who made the mountain and he will remove the mountain for me. I'll give you four things and then we're going to do something a little bit different this morning. Four things. First one. Faith sees the one who orders our circumstance. You are where you are because he ordered you to be there. 
first thing. I can live with that. Whatever it is that has overtaken me, I can live with it when I know God has not put it upon me because he doesn't do that. But he's brought me to a position in my life where I can deal with it in the name of Jesus. Steps of a righteous person are ordered by the Lord. So I'm in this position, God, because you have, through circumstances, brought me here. If you brought me here, I'm going to be all right. Because you didn't bring me somewhere and leave me. You can't do that. It's impossible. Because you said you'd never leave me or forsake me. So I can live with that. I can live with that, that you have ordered my steps. Okay? Number two, hope. Hope looks beyond the present circumstance. So God, through circumstances, whatever that may be, has brought me into a position, a place, a circumstance. Now, I don't look at the circumstance anymore. I look beyond it. My hope is in the Lord. So I look beyond. How do I look beyond? What does that mean? I look to him. I don't look this way anymore, horizontally. I look heavenly. My help comes from the maker of heaven and earth. That's where my help comes from. I have to lift my head. The first thing when when you're in something is your head goes down. Oh, oh, so bad. No, it is bad. bad. I'm not... Taking the mick and minimizing anything. I'm just saying how we behave. Our head goes down. And all we see is the floor. It's time to lift your head. Lift my head. You put me. You put me, King. You put me, Satan. You put me in a, de- in a dungeon. You put me in a den where there's lions, and I will not give in to you, but I will look to the maker of heaven and earth, and he will come, and he will step right into my pit, and he will shut the mouth of the enemy. Because you're my redeemer. You're my savior. You're all I got. And you're everything. You're not all I got to minimize. You're all I got because you're all I need. And that need is, can only be met in you. Number three. Patience. Patience. I'm not talking about hospital patients. You know, when you're one of them. But patience. You know, it's one of the greatest gifts you can have. I want it now. I call upon your name. I'll do the other rep. Must be replacement rep. I want it now. God! If you don't give it to me now, I'll be so disappointed and people looking on will think I've got it wrong and they'll think that I'm, I'm, I'm not a good Christian and they'll think, and your name, I've had this said, your name will not be glorified. Look, he's bigger than you. He can look after yeah. his own name. Yes, amen. He was doing that before you were born. (laughs) I was some niff with my mother. When I was five, she took me dummy away. I'm, I'm, I'm telling you the truth. Five years old, and I had a dummy. Wouldn't go to bed, wouldn't go to sleep without me dummy. Don't laugh. It was real. 
One night she said, that's enough. She took it away. I broke my heart. <laughs> you ever wonder why my teeth are the shape they are? Dentist said, because she sucked the dummy for five years. They did some work on them when I was, you know, before I was a teenager, pulled, pulled them back, but they were even worse. I wonder what you're sucking on as a Christian. Do you need a dummy? Do you really need a dummy still? A soother, I think the Americans call it. Do you need someone all the time going, I won't do it with Wendy, I'll do it with you, she wouldn't do it. There, oh, it's so bad, it's so bad, it's so bad. You don't deserve that, you don't deserve, keep doing it. You don't, oh, I could really enjoy this. I'm not asking you to do it. The Bible says put away childish things. Amen. Patience says... It's not about time. Whether it's a long time or a short time, it's not about that. You'll be on time. My God will be on time. This year, we're going to hear and see, and we've started already, but there's going to be more of the miraculous taking place in this building. And we've seen some good stuff this year. I've seen Jesus one Sunday morning walk into the ward at Dereford Hospital and touch that man and stop death from taking him out. The doctor said he's dying. Jesus said he walked into your bedside and he pushed back the darkness of death and he took you and he gave you back life. Yeah. Saw it with my eyes. It wasn't there. I was here preaching. I saw what was happening in the spiritual realm with you, John. Why's he done that? Just to let you sit? No. He did it to show you that he's Lord God Almighty. That nothing can separate you from him. He's the giver of life. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Patience gives strength for the trial. When I'm waiting, I think, God, I remember the day when you set an angel when I was 10 years old down on the embankment. Yeah. And like an idiot, I climbed down, I dropped the screw off my reel and I climbed down into the water. The tide was coming in. I was below the road level. No one could see me. And the water, the tide was coming in. I couldn't get back up the bank again. Sure. And suddenly, a man appeared. Took my fishing rod he said, catch hold the end of it. And he pulled me back up the bank and he disappeared. Ten years old, I knew it was an angel. Yeah. Yeah. While I'm waiting today, I only thought about that this week. And I thought, God, you didn't just do that to stop me drowning. You did that to bring me into my destiny in you. So whatever's happening to me this week, whatever's happening to me today, cannot stop my destiny being fulfilled. There's only one person in the world, there's only one person that can stop my destiny. It's me. It's not the enemy. It's me. If I give up, Number four, 
love. Love delights in him, Jesus, whom no circumstances can affect. Oh, what a savior. When I see what he took on that cross, what they did to him, Passion of the Christ is the nearest I've ever seen. But even that wasn't anything like it really was. What he took for me, that I might have life, my sin forgiven. He did it for me. Never mind you. Sometimes you've got to go back to that and say, look, you did it for me. That means it wasn't just to save my sin. It was to give me a future, a hope, and a destiny in you. And I want to live in that. And if I can't run as fast as I could years ago, it doesn't matter. If I can't function quite as well as I did all those years ago, it doesn't matter. I'm here now, God. Just use me. Use me again. In whatever way you want to use me. And sometimes as you get older, it'll be different. But use me. Because that's... That's why you saved me. And I'm going to sit here and watch and tell you all day. Nothing wrong with television. It's what you watch that's wrong. Because it sucks your faith. I'm not going to run because somebody's tried to speak a word over me, a negative word. I'm not going to quit just because they say I'm 96 years old. No, I'm not. What right do you have to say those things either? What right do we have to argue with God? Well, I don't argue, I just talk about it. I'm taking God on. You're taking God on. You're saying you don't know what you're doing with me. God says, I know exactly what I'm doing with you. Because there's more to come. I just want you to put your Bibles down right now.